Good morning. In today's headlines, a tentative deal to raise the debt limit has been reached, but will it have enough support to make it past Congress? We have reactions from the House Freedom Caucus. Former President Donald Trump and other conservatives have a bone to pick with the Lone Star State. They're not taking kindly to the impeachment of Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. Find out why. Memorial Day, a holiday to honor and to mourn those who died while serving in the armed forces. NTD interviewed passers-by to get their take on what the holiday means for them. The Surgeon General calls it the epidemic of loneliness and isolation. How does it affect our health? We asked an expert. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning, everyone. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Monday, May 29th, also Memorial Day. Yes, that's right. And we want to extend our thanks to all of those who have served. That's right. Kevin, do you have any military in your family? Yes, I do. Actually, my grandfather was in Easy Company, and he got the Purple Heart after he was shot in, in the D-Day invasion when he was breaking wow. up the defenses behind enemy lines. Wow. So you have some real heroes in your family. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, we have a lot of news to cover, so while you're getting up after hopefully a fun and relaxing break, let's hear what politicians and their negotiators in Washington were up to. That's right. Thank you, Kevin. President Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy reached a deal on the debt limit over the weekend. Both call it a compromise agreement and are optimistic it will pass Congress. And today's Jeremy Sandberg tells us what's inside the package. Biden and McCarthy reached a tentative deal over the government's debt ceiling on Saturday. After weeks of negotiations, we have come to an agreement in principle. We still have a lot of work to do, but I believe this is an agreement in principle that's worthy of the American people. Biden called the agreement an important step forward. The agreement also represents a compromise, which means no one got everything they want. But that's the responsibility of governing. The deal would raise the $31.4 trillion debt limit for two years. It caps spending on non-defense items at $637 billion, roughly the same level as the year before, with approximately 1% increase in fiscal year 2025. The bill will see around a 3.5% increase in defense spending, with the Pentagon set to get $886 billion in fiscal year 2024, in line with Biden's original budget request. The package put roughly $120 billion toward veterans' medical care. It also wipes out tens of billions of dollars of unused COVID funds, speeds up the permitting process for some energy projects, and cuts a portion of funding for the IRS. The deal tightens requirements for food stamps and welfare programs for single people without children up to 55 years old. The bill has exemptions for homeless and veterans and ensures families with children do not have their benefits cut. It leaves Biden's student debt cancellation program intact, which is set to go before the Supreme Court. The Treasury Department has set June 5th as the deadline to raise the debt limit and avoid default. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Now that the debt limit deal is ironed out, it still needs to pass Congress. Many House Republicans say the Fiscal Responsibility Act doesn't go far enough, while some Democrats say there's nothing in it for them. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the reactions to the bill. According to some reports, Biden and McCarthy's deal would raise the debt ceiling by $4 trillion. That's $2.5 trillion more than Republicans agreed to authorize in the Limit Save Grow Act. Several House Republicans from the House Freedom Caucus say they won't be voting for it. Representative Ken Buck called the compromise a surrender. Representative Lauren Boebert says voters deserve better and that it's a no from her. 
Congressman Andrew Clyde said it's a hard pass for him and called for his colleagues to hold the line. A viewpoint representative Chip Roy shared. Representative Ralph Norman called Biden and McCarthy's proposal insanity and says he's not going to vote to bankrupt the country. McCarthy says he's been in regular communication with House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, but has not yet asked Democrats to support the bill and get it over the finish line. The Republican leader says Democrats are very upset and that Jeffries told him there is nothing in the bill for them. But Biden and McCarthy both say they're confident the bill will pass. We did a conference call with our conference and over 95% were overwhelmingly excited about what they see. Representative Dusty Johnson, one of the GOP negotiators, says there are no wins for Democrats in the agreement and that it's a remarkable conservative accomplishment. Overwhelmingly, Republicans in this conference are going to support the deal. How could they not? It is a fantastic deal. Congressman Kelly Armstrong says the deal is a win for conservatives. And I can't really figure out what we've given up in it other than, uh, other than raising the debt limit. Representative Pramila Jayapal, chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, says Democrat leaders should be concerned about progressive support. I'm not happy with some of the things I'm hearing about, but they are not cutting the deficit uh, and they are not cutting spending. Representatives will have 72 hours to review the new legislation before a vote is held. It will need 218 of 435 House members to sign off on it and then 60 of 100 senators to approve it to send it to the president's desk. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. House members are advised votes will take place tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Additional votes related to the Fiscal Responsibility Act are expected Wednesday afternoon and into the evening. We'll keep you updated, so stay tuned. And now former President Donald Trump and other conservatives took to social media to defend Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. This after the GOP-led Texas House voted to impeach him. And today's Daniel Monahan has a closer look at what both sides are saying. Republican Speaker Dade Phelan and fellow Republicans joined with Democrats to temporarily remove the staunch GOP conservative Paxton from office. He is accused of bribery, obstruction of justice, and abuse of public trust. Texas lawmakers voted 123 to 23 to adopt the 20 articles of impeachment. Trump reacted to the process on Truth Social shortly before the House convened. He said House Speaker Phelan wants to impeach one of the most hardworking and effective attorney generals in the United States, Ken Paxton, who just won re-election with a large number of American patriots strongly voting for him. Other Republicans, such as Senator Ted Cruz and Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, also condemned the effort. Cruz tweeted, no attorney general has battled the abuses of the Biden administration more ferociously and more effectively than has Paxton. That's why the swamp in Austin wants him out. While Green wrote, this Texas House-led impeachment is a witch hunt. The vote means Paxton will be removed from office immediately to await trial in the Senate, where a two-thirds majority must agree in order to remove Paxton from office permanently. Paxton spoke the day before the impeachment vote. They are determined to ignore the law. They have denied me the opportunity to present the evidence which contradicts their politically motivated narrative. Representative John Smithy opposed the resolution to impeach, saying the charges are based on rumor and speculation. And what you're being asked to do today is to impeach without evidence. State Representative David Spiller is a member of the House Investigating Committee. Attorney General Paxton continuously and blatantly violated laws, rules, policies, and procedures improperly and illegally. Spiller said the House should not be complicit in allowing such behavior. But we have a duty 
and an obligation to protect the citizens of Texas from elected officials that abuse their office and their power for personal gain. Impeachment is rare in Texas, happening only twice in the state's nearly 200-year history. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Over to Nova Scotia and Canada, where schools are closed and for some, the power is out. That's right. The local government has issued emergency alerts and multiple evacuation orders due to wildfires. Local media reported at least 10 houses have already been burned by the wildfires as of late Sunday. Eyewitness video showed massive smoke clouds billowing from a fire along a highway. The thick smoke and flames on either side making driving conditions extremely hazardous. One driver's dash cam footage shows just how dangerous driving became when he had to brake suddenly, nearly hitting the car in front. The Halifax government said the state of emergency would be in effect for seven days unless lifted or extended. Wildfires have been raging in multiple areas in Canada for the past few weeks. And after the break, over 200 classic cars are going on auction in the Netherlands. The cars owned by a Dutch collector have been in secret storage for decades. Find out what they're likely to fetch. And many people today are suffering with loneliness and isolation. We speak to an expert about how it affects our health. That story coming up after the break. More than 230 classic cars are being auctioned in the Netherlands. They belong to a secretive collector and have been stored for several decades. The owner does not have any heirs and had to put the cars up for auction due to his old age and declining health. The cars have never been on public display. It's a collection that has existed for years, for 40 years, which was brought together by a man who had a kind of collecting mania. He was a car enthusiast through and through, as you can see from the variety of cars on display here. It really is the pinnacle of collecting. There's no need to restore everything, that's the nice part. Most classic cars are 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, and most of them have been restored, some even twice. But most of these cars here have never been restored. It's like they are still in the first years of their lives, only that they went into a coma. They have been sleeping. The owner reportedly loved his cars and started the engines regularly to keep them healthy and functioning. The collection has been described as one with true heart and soul. Most of the cars are expected to fetch between twenty-five dollars to $85,000, but some rarer models could bring in up to several million. Some of the cars include models from Alfa Romeo, Maserati, Ferrari, Aston Martin, Jaguar, and many others. The cars can now be previewed. The auction has already started and ends on June 7th. So, Evelyn, what's your favorite car? I'm not big on cars, I have to admit, but, you know, all of them sound pretty good. Old-timers, they're always they're yeah, always Aston pretty Martin. Oh, cool. yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, staying with cars, Ford CEO Jim Farley has hinted that he wants fixed pricing for vehicle sales. In other words, no more long negotiations over how much to pay. The price you see will be the price you pay. And many of our viewers may be wondering, why is a negotiation such a big part of the auto industry? Yeah, and could we all be seeing fixed prices in the future? Entities Fake Quarter investigates. Could the days of long negotiations at the car dealership be over? Ford CEO Jim Farley has hinted he wants a fixed price model. So instead of spending hours trying to haggle with a salesperson, the sticker price would be the only price. It sounds good on the surface, but when it's a large purchase like a car, people like to shop around. And this could hurt Ford in the bigger picture 
It's worth a try. Lauren Fix is an automotive expert at Car Coach Reports. She says auto firms have tried and failed to implement fixed pricing in the past. There are unique exceptions like CarMax, Carvana, and Tesla. CarMax and Carvana are able to do it for many reasons, one of which is having a big inventory of used vehicles. And Tesla is able to do it because it's Tesla. Meanwhile, most dealers really want you to buy a car after the first test drive. If you walk out that door, the chances of getting you back are slim to none. So they tend to lower the price, much like that of furniture. When you're looking at buying a house, you make an offer, there's negotiation back and forth, and you come to an agreement on prices. Taking that out of an expensive purchase like a car with an average selling price of $50,000, that's a lot of money. The auto industry is also very competitive. So the existence of negotiation lets buyers leverage this competition to their advantage. Buying a new car? Here are some tips from Lauren Fix. If the vehicle is brand new, you're most likely not going to be able to negotiate. This is because new vehicle demand is usually very high. But if you owned the same brand in the past, you could likely get a loyalty discount. The salesperson may deny its existence, but the sales manager knows it exists. Meanwhile, there's also something called a conquest discount. You can get this when you switch car brands. If you don't ask for it, you won't get it. Faye Quarter, NTD News. The U.S. Surgeon General recently described loneliness as an epidemic in the U.S. Dr. Vivek Murthy released an advisory which says one in two adults in America reported experiencing loneliness, and that was before the COVID pandemic. I spoke to an expert to find out more about the impacts. Joining me now to give us some tips is counseling psychologist Dr. Tara Quinn Silrillo. Good to have you back. Hi, hello. Now, I understand that it's not always immediately obvious that it's loneliness that's the problem. So first I want to know, how does loneliness show in our everyday lives? I think the really important question there, a lot of us may think it's about elderly, people who are more physically isolated, but that is not the full picture. So one of the things that we might notice is it's really common in younger generations, so people in their kind of early 20s, according to research at the moment, um, some of the hidden signs you really have to look for. Um, so some people really binge watch television series on repeat consistently. Some people get really attached to objects they may increase their internet shopping, for example. Um, some people can be in a really crowded room and still feel lonely. So it's looking for those little signs of being distant or withdrawn, but even when you're surrounded by people. So subtle things, maybe things like changes in your physical health as well. So increasing weight gain or friends or colleagues who consistently say they feel poorly and that's why they can't come out. There may be some avoidance, but also there is an increase in people reporting physical symptoms much more consistently when they're lonely. You just mentioned binge-watching binge and just being glued to a screen. So is it, how, what came first, basically? Is it because of that that we feel more lonely or is it because we're lonely that we start being glued to a screen? Uh, absolutely spot on there. So according to research at the moment, people have been looking post-pandemic, so the big old P word. Um, obviously, because a lot of us were socially isolated physically and psychologically, we did retreat into our technology. But prior to the pandemic, there was also an increase in the way that we contact each other through social media, for example, the tech boom. So it's great. We can contact people from our homes. It has changed the way that we interact as human beings. It's changed the way that we 
connect. So what we do have is almost like a perfect storm, as you say, that there was already a rise in technology use and therefore a decrease in how we physically be with each other as human beings. And on top of that, people have retreated into social media. People have retreated into their phones, into their Netflix, for example, and there's the perfect storm. Hmm, very interesting. Now, in general, loneliness, how does it impact people long term? So some really surprising things. So we might think actually about things like changes in mood. So if you're feeling that you are lonely, even when you're surrounded by people, that can impact your mental health. So things like increase in stress, anxiety, depression, for example, or lower level things such as lowered mood that might not even reach the threshold for clinical depression, but it still has an impact on how you function and how you think. But then there are things like your physical health as well. So increase, it changes your immune system, for example, so increase in physical health conditions. And then there are things like changes in your cognition as we would say in psychology so looking at things like changes in your memory your concentration your ability to process information they can all be negatively impacted by loneliness interesting now i in in, re in my research i came across different kinds or types of loneliness not what now what are they and how should they be addressed so there's you know social isolation and loneliness some people can really struggle when they're in social situations and that might not be the result of something like the pandemic or physically being removed from people that may be something that's part of their kind of neurobiology if you like their upbringing then there's people that have more kind of acute loneliness as we would call it where it's come on because you've had a big life change such as loss grief something like transition moving house starting university or college for example as well so it's looking at there are lots of different types of loneliness but there will be some commonalities amongst all of those things themselves very interesting i think that will um help a lot of people with some self-reflection there thank you so much dr tara quinsilverlo you're welcome now there are actually very basic everyday solutions we can all do she gave me some examples there are small things like connecting with neighbors by just saying hello reach out to people maybe address the stigma on the topic as well but she says it's also important to get educated on how to actually recognize the signs of loneliness and reevaluate people's relationships with technology and coming up over half a million poppies on display over memorial day weekend in dc this year's Remembrance display features some interesting new additions. And we bring you a fascinating story of a little boy who recalled details from World War II, leading his parents to wonder if past lives really exist. More after the break. to have you back. A wall featuring over half a million poppies has gone up in Washington, D.C. It serves to honor fallen service members this Memorial Day weekend. The USAA wall first appeared in 2018. Since then, it has seen close to 40,000 visitors pay their respects to the fallen heroes and to find out more about the holiday. This is our fourth year on the National Mall here in Washington, D.C. It comprised of 645,000 poppies the poppy being a national symbol of remembrance, and each one of those poppies represents a, a single life lost in conflict, in defense of our freedom since World War I. And while it's important for Americans to enjoy their lives uh, during this holiday weekend, we want to ensure that they just take a moment to reflect on the true meaning behind this sacred holiday, and that is the enormous sacrifice of men and women over the course of our history that have brought those freedoms to us. 
The wall spans over 130 feet and this year features a new addition, a special panel to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the U.S. exit from the Vietnam War. And for the first time ever, it also featured a digital panel displaying individual remembrances collected through the hashtag Poppy in Memory. With today being Memorial Day, NTD went out to ask a couple of questions. One was whether people feel the lives sacrificed for America were worth it based on the current state of the nation. And another question was what people think Americans should celebrate on this special holiday. You know, they've done a, a great service for this country. And, uh, you know, I think they should be celebrated. I would say 50-50. Um, half of it 50 because, uh, yes, because we people fight for our country to give people choices. Um, but I'll say the other 50, no, because sometimes people exploit those choices. God did put us here to become the best versions of ourselves so we can be a light for other people. Um, and they could do the same, because that's what the people that went to, what you said, the military, that's what they did for us. They were trying to be a light in that way. So. People are just not grateful these days. You know, I'm grateful I'm from another country, so I'm grateful to live here. And I have learned so much about this country history because homeschooling my daughters. And I am beyond grateful to live in a free country. I think the everyday things that we take for granted, just like, for example, being at this park um, and able to be walk around and just be free. Um, and someone like myself can talk to someone like yourself. Um, these are things that people have fought and died for. If you mean do I love my country, I do. And I'm very grateful for everyone who has defended it from time immemorial. We should celebrate that we are living in the best country and democracy in, on the planet because we've been defended by people who have made selfless sacrifices. The 2023 National Memorial Day Parade returns to Constitution Avenue today. Join us in our nation's capital as we honor the sacrifice and service of generations of Americans. NTD and Epic TV will provide coverage of the live parade starting at 1 p.m. Eastern. Then stay tuned for our very special Independence Day television companion, Our Sacred Honor and American Salute. Next, we have a story about a mystery of life, reincarnation. A little boy seems to have remembered his past life as a pilot. His father shares the family's incredible experience. Let's take a look. Andrea and Bruce Leininger, authors of Soul Survivor, were living what they thought was a normal 21st century American life. That's until their young son James started having unusual nightmares about a plane being shot down. The family started to worry and question how he knew so much about airplanes. Their two-year-old boy somehow even knew about Japan, and so Bruce bought James a book. Well, I opened up a page that showed a picture of the island of Iwo Jima with a diagram of the island on, the other, on, the, on another page. And without hesitating, he pointed to it and he said, Daddy, that's when my plane got shot down. And I froze, you know, I just, just froze. His grandmother suggested that he may be remembering a past life. That lit a fire under me and said, I don't know how this has happened or what this is, but I'm not gonna stop searching for information until I get some answers to how my son could give me this information. This led the family to Carol Bowman, a past life therapist who specializes in working with children. James started to recall more information and the nightmares faded. 
So over time, he gave large numbers of significant information about his previous family, uh, things that went on in his life. Uh, and at that point, there was no other thing to say, but he was actually obviously having past life memories of James M. Houston Jr. After doing a lot more research, Bruce found that many of James Houston's squadron members were still living along with his sister, Anne. So young James got the chance to meet all these people, including his friend Jack, who he remembered by name. And at that reunion, James had the opportunity, one, to meet Jack Larson, and two, meet some of these other men, including several people that had been in the same squadron as Jim Houston. And he was palling around with these people. He was eating breakfast with them. He's six years old and they're 80. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just palling. And where is James today? Well, he's in the military, of course. Looking back on his family's spiritual journey, Bruce Leininger has this to share. We don't have, we don't have all the answers. We have to go on faith. Uh, and if there was any point in time where I thought that this story was counterproductive to my faith, I wouldn't talk about it again. So I, but I, but the, but to go back to skeptics, I don't mind skeptics. If we don't ask questions, if we're all thinking the same way, then ain't nobody thinking. The differences of opinion, the diversity of opinion, is the most important thing in my mind. NTD News, Virginia. Wow, that story really raises some profound questions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's hard to believe sometimes, but sometimes people, you see these people like in, that being interviewed that have all these detailed recollections of things, so it's yeah. crazy. And it's no surprise that that young boy grew up to go in the military. That's right, yeah. <laughs> all right, on that note, we want to wrap it up here. We'd love to hear from you as usual. Write us at goodmorning at ntd.com. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.